The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pod of thunder and rock and roll, and get ready to laugh. Hee-haw! Thanks to the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, uh, Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan, calling, of course, checking in, hoping everybody's doing well uh, during this time. Uh, so, you know, I'm not doing any traveling this year. Doesn't look like uh, I had to tell my, my, uh, my suitcases we weren't going to do any traveling. Uh, it wasn't, it didn't go, uh, very well. Uh, so now I've got some emotional baggage to deal with. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Uh, I like it. That's a good one. <laughs> I think that, uh, probably made you guys laugh as well. Thanks, Duff, for keeping us smiling and sometimes groaning, but this is a good one. Every Friday, it makes uh, staying at home a little easier and hopefully lightens things up a bit with uh, everything going on in the world these days. It's been so insane, but peace and love to everyone. And uh, thanks to all of you who've been hanging out with me on, on Saturday nights. The Saturday night special has been going strong since the lockdown started. And uh, even though some things are starting to reopen, it seems like it's going to be a while before we can all go out and see shows and party with our friends and bars. Uh, so come hang out with me tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on my YouTube channel. Bring your questions, bring your sing-along requests, bring your beverage, and come have some fun. That's tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and my official YouTube channel. I'll see you then. All right, today, speaking of concerts, uh, I've got one of the most uh, um, influential promoters in England and the, uh, the show booker of the huge download festival, the biggest rock festival in Europe. Uh, we've had uh, uh, the pleasure of playing there four times now. Andy Copping is with us. Uh, and like so many other festivals and concert tours, this year's download has been canceled, which is a drag. It would have been going on this weekend at Castle Donington in England. They've rescheduled and are trying to bring all the same bands that were supposed to play this weekend to next year's show. New dates are June 4th to the 6th, 2021. Iron Maiden was supposed to headline and Kiss. So uh, they're trying to see if they can get the same bands. But since the pandemic canceled the actual festival, uh, we're bringing some of the best download stories to you on Talk is Jericho. And also in honor of download being postponed, Make sure to check out Download TV kicking off Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, England time. So I believe that's 2 p.m. Eastern on YouTube Music. And then we've got programming on Saturday and Sunday. And Fozzie's performance from our main stage set of 2017 will be featured. So check that out. Uh, but since the pandemic canceled the actual festival, like I said, we're bringing some of the best download stories to you right here on Talk is Jericho. 
and he's going to talk about how Download got started, some of the bad news events that turned into incredible once-in-a-lifetime concert experiences for fans, like when Lars Ulrich got sick the day before Metallica headlined the festival. They had to get replacement drummers. Uh, same thing happened to Jonathan Davis of Korn, replacement singers. And he's also talk- talking about getting ACDC to play, convincing Linkin Park to play Hybrid Theory in its entirety, and the cool thing that Ozzy and Sharon did for Trivium. So many great rock and roll stories from the greatest rock festival in the world. Let's talk Download right now with Andy Copping on Talk is Jericho. So once again, 2020 has been such a strange year for so many reasons. And one of the worst things about it is the lack of live shows, whether it's sports, uh, wrestling. You know, as you know, we've been wrestling in front of no people. Uh, but the big one, of course, is lack of concerts and, and live shows, and which has really affected the festival business, including the biggest festival, in my opinion, in Europe, which is the Download Festival. And Andy Copping, who is, what is your official title, Andy? Well, my official title is Executive President of UK Tour, and it's it's a long and long winded, but right. everybody everybody knows me as the uh, as as Mister Download, Booker of Download. That's what I always just assumed that you were like the, the boss of Download, the major Booker, the general manager, yeah. whatever you want to call it, the showrunner. But basically, you're the face of, of 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 the like I said, in my opinion, it's the best festival in Europe, the Download Festival. And for this this year in 2020, for the first time, maybe since you you started this position, it, it, you had to cancel it. Yeah, um, I mean, we've been going since 2003. The festival has has built up. Um, you know, in our first year in 2003, I don't even think we did 20,000 people. We mm-hmm. we get up to uh, anything between 75 and 100,000 people over a weekend now. Um, and yeah, we've gone every single year. Since we started, um, and we were all set, obviously for this year. Our headliners were Iron Maiden, Kiss, and System of a Down. We had Corn, Alterbrid, Deftones, Offspring, um, Disturbed. I mean, a, a huge, huge bill. Gajira, Mastodon, Killswitch Engage, and you know we we've had to pull it down, and we pulled it down about three weeks ago. And the festival is supposed to be taking place in 10 days. Well, and like you mentioned, just the list of bands that plays at Download every year is just massive to where other festivals' headliners end up being second or third on the bill Mm -hmm. with Download because of the reputation that it has and because of how historical it is. And yes, obviously, you had to cancel this year. But let's talk about kind of how you got involved because – Download started when I was a kid. You always heard about Castle Donington. Yeah. About Donington and growing up in, in Winnipeg, 87, 88, Iron Maiden, Kiss, David Lee Roth, Megadeth, Halloween, Guns N' Roses. You would hear these lineups and just go, holy shit, why can't we have that here in, in this country? So, how did Donington kind of wind down and how did you end up taking over uh, for, for the changeover to Download? Monsters of Rock started at uh, Castle Donington in 1980. I went there as a teenage <laughs> rock fan, you know, right. young teenager with a bunch of my friends. Um, you know, the lineup was like Rainbow, Judas Priest, Saxon, Scorpions. I mean, like just unbelievable that all those bands were playing on the same bill on the same day. So one day event, mm-hmm. one stage. And that ran right through until... 1996 and they'd have everybody headlining 
throughout the years. Bon Jovi, ZZ Top, Ozzy Osbourne, ACDC, White Snake. You know, I mean, it, just everybody who was anybody who uh, was in rock music at the time headlined that event. But in '96, they kind of came. It run its course. I think what had happened was, in particular with that festival, famous though it was, that really moved too much with the times. And you never saw bands like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Faith No More, Rage Against Machine. None of those bands played. They would always go to kind of Reading and Leeds and those type of festivals, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah they, would go, they would always go to the more alternative festivals, whereas – you know, those bands are rock bands and they, they, they would have been suited on uh, Monsters of Rock. But it had kind of you know, it found its niche and uh, it had run its course. So in 96, it, it kind of finished. And then in 2002 at Donington, they had a, an Ozfest. Now, in 2002, that was right at the peak of when the Osbournes were flying high on MTV. Right. Um, and, you know, Ozzy was going back out on the road. Uh, they create, you know, Sharon and Ozzy create their own festival, Ozfest. They brought it to the UK for the first time, and it, it happened at Castle Donington in 2002. I was there as a fan, but I'd also been helping the organisers out with the marketing and the promotion of the event, just because of uh, my knowledge and my standing in the music industry at the time. And not long after that Ozfest. I got approached by the company that, that had put on Ozfest, who was also the same company that had done the Monsters of Rocks all those years previously. And they headhunted me um, to, uh, to go and join them. And my main role was to help them resurrect uh, an annual event, uh, an annual rock festival at uh, Castle Donington. They wanted it to be um, a two-day camping event uh, two stages, and and that's literally at the end of 2002. I started working with them uh, and building up to our first year, which was uh, in 2003. And interestingly enough, our headliners that year uh, were Iron Maiden and Limp Biscuit. Now, li- literally about four weeks out of the event, Limp Biscuit pulled off. They cancelled. They just didn't come to Europe. And we were like, oh, my God, this is like our first year. You know, we've lost one of our headliners. And what we did, we did, we bumped everybody up the stage. Audio Slave were actually in slot two. They, they ended up headlining um, and we just moved everybody up. Interesting thing was we only had one person ask for a refund on the <laughs> ticket, um, which was amazing. Because uh, we thought, oh, we could end up with getting uh, lots of people asking for refunds. It's just, uh, just just one uh, one person asked. And the best part about it was, of course, we weren't paying Limp Bizkit because they didn't play. And that put the festival into break-even status <laughs> in our first year. Now, normally what happens with festivals uh, and with a lot of businesses, you take two or three years to get to a point where you can, you can see some kind of profitability. First year you lose a lot of money. Second year you lose money, but you start building. You know, you start building up. Third year you might break even, um, and literally in year one we were at break even status. <laughs> Thanks to Fred Durst and his crime not wanting to come. I want to talk to you more about those types of situations, but I'm looking here, kind of following along, and on your first festival, 
buried right in the middle of the Scuzz stage, which is the second stage, a little-known band called Metallica. Now, this is 2003. What the f*** is Metallica doing in the middle of the, the B stage, so to speak, and not playing on top in front of Audio Slave? Well, this was, this was the, the, the bizarrest thing. We got approached by Metallica. They said they wanted to come and play unannounced at the festival. So it was, a, it was top secret. They'd even given us another name of some fictitious act. They even sent a press release with this photo. It was like some geeky band that looked like they were some alternative <laughs> mid-80s style band. It was like hilarious. So we, we booked them. And, and like everybody's going, who is this band? Who are they? Who are they? Anyway, on the day, Metallica strike up and, and they're playing. There's people on site at the festival. And I was even talking, I'm, I'm going around, Metallica are playing the second stage. No way. No, no, what? No, not having it. No. I went, play, go and see it. And a lot of people just didn't believe it. And the best part about this whole thing was the fee for Metallica to play download that year was $500. And I never paid them. They never <laughs> announced for the money. So I still owe $500 for, for that show. That they, I, I tell you what, I wish they cost $500 now. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, that's literally how that whole thing came about. Um, they wanted to do, you know, a real kind of guerrilla show, top secret, which it was. Nobody knew about it. Uh, and they did. And again, that really helped us establish our festival. You know, like Iron Maiden on the day before and, you know, uh, Audio Slave and a, a bunch of other bands on the second day. And Metallica, you know, halfway up on the second stage. Amazing. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It seems, uh, you know, there's so much to talk about here, but you mentioned Iron Maiden a few times, and it seems that Maiden very much is tied into Donington and Download. Must have, you mentioned they were going to headline this year. They must have headlined it four or five times at this point. Why is that? Is it because Download is such an English uh, festival? Obviously, they're going to draw huge. You must have a great relationship with Iron Maiden to be able to bring them back so many times so quickly. My relationship with, with Maiden goes back um, a long way. I started uh, doing some promotional work for the management company because at the time they were managing uh, like Wasp, Halloween, you know, a bunch of as well as obviously Iron Maiden. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was doing some promotional work for them. Uh, and then I started doing some promo work for Iron Maiden. And, um, and when we were looking at putting Download together, it fitted in with their schedule you know they were going out on, on their touring cycle for i can't quite remember which album it was at the time but um so we booked them the band had obviously got some history with uh, monsters of rock they'd headlined that uh, one that you mentioned earlier in right. 88 which was the biggest donnington ever um there's 107,000 people 
that were there on that day in 88. I mean, tragically, uh, two, uh, two fans did get killed. That's right. Yeah, weather was, was really bad. And a lot of changes happened to festivals across the world after that uh, Monsters of Rock in 88. The authorities uh, brought up loads of different regulations that needed to be done. The thing called, uh, that came out called the Pop Code, all festivals had to um, adhere to, and that was born out of the fact of what happened in, in 88. But uh, obviously it was a big, big deal for Iron Maiden playing to that many people. I mean, it was an incredible day. I mean, I was there. It was, uh, Guns N' Roses were the second band on. Yeah. And what happened was when Guns N' Roses got booked, bearing in mind that the show was in the August, when they got booked back in the November, December of the previous year, they were just some hot band from Sunset Strip. Right. And during the time that when they got booked to come in round to when the festival happened, they became the biggest band in the world. <laughs> now, the stroke of genius, the, the manager and their agent, uh, the manager at the time was a guy called Alan Niven and John Jackson, their, their agent, had gone, we're not going to move up the bill. We're going to stay exactly where we are. We're the hottest band in the world, biggest band in the world, and we're going to play there. So all these fans who had bought tickets, I guess mostly for Iron Maiden, Kiss, David Lee Roth, all that were huge arena level acts at the time, would suddenly get in Guns N' Roses, the biggest band in the world on that bill as well. So it was an amazing day. And the interesting thing about that was they'd sold... 75,000 tickets up until the day of the event. On the day, 30,000 people wow. turned up and bought a ticket on the door. That's amazing. I mean, it doesn't happen anywhere. That's right. It doesn't happen. I mean, at Download Now, I think the most we've ever had turn up on the day without a ticket to buy a ticket uh, for that particular day, 2,000 people. I mean, you've seen you've seen it, Chris. The, yes, the, we're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got to travel a long way to get to it. Um, I mean, it's easy to get to, but it is in the middle of nowhere. But to think that thirty thousand people on that day in '88 turned up, like, wow! So they did one hundred and seven thousand people, and uh, we've been pretty close a couple of times at, at download. In twenty twelve, we got to. Uh, around about 105,000. But yeah, I mean, just just, just incredible. But, but Maiden, I think, you know, from that first performance in 88 when they headlined at Monsters of Rock, they've had an affiliation with, uh, with this site. The UK is obviously important to them as a band. They're, they're bizarrely bigger in other places, South America, Scandinavia. They're actually a bigger act. But, you know, the UK is important and... You know, whenever they're, they're kind of touring, I always get the call and say, hey, you know, Donington. Right. The, the last time we played there, or maybe it was the year before, they had a, they flew the Spitfire oh, over the, the crowd. <laughs> it was just amazing. I mean, I got the call from Rod Smallwood, who a lot of people know who he is. He's managed Iron Maiden from the beginning. And uh, he called me up and he said... Um, we're going to fly a Spitfire over uh, over Donington. I'm like, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, we're going to fly a Spitfire. I went, Rod, Donington 
is right at the end of a commercial runway for East Midlands Airport. <laughs> it's like, they're not going to let you fly a Spitfire. He's like, I've already looked into that. I've phoned to the airport <laughs> authorities. I mean, classic Roddy. Right. Just on it, on it, on it. And, um, yeah, and, and he said to me, have you got any issue with it? I've got absolutely not. It'd be amazing. And the, the best part about it is on the day, and I only found this out recently, and when I say recently, literally three or four weeks ago, because uh, we were talking about it, was that the pilot of the Spitfire and the pilot of the helicopter that was filming it from the air were in communication with Bruce Dickinson, singer of I Maiden, who was at the side of the stage. And Bruce is going, it's time for you to fly over. So they'd fly over the minute I Maiden came out <laughs> onto the stage. And I mean, it was, I ju- I'm getting shivers thinking about it right now. I mean, it came, it, it literally flew over the stage and over the mixing desk, back round and over the crowd. I mean, the crowd went absolutely insane. Absolutely. I mean, what an entrance for any band. And the fact that they were all communicating with each other and Bruce was orchestrating it to make sure that they got, you know, the optimum impact when the band ran out onto the stage is just, just amazing. Is there other moments like that that you can recall where a band had had a certain prop or some kind of a certain moment that's just unforgettable to you? Well, it's more to do with some of the kind of incidents that have happened. Uh, and if we go back to Metallica again. In two- do tell. <laughs> the classic. Oh, 2004, Lars Ulrich doesn't show up. And this time Metallica's headlining. And they're headlining, exactly. So it's a year after they've just played in the tent. The headlining download, and I'd seen James and I'd seen Kirk walking around in the artist area, backstage area. You know, I think, yeah, great, everything's cool. And then uh, I got a message saying, we need you backstage right now. So, okay, so I go back. And uh, my colleague says to me, he said, Lars isn't here. I'm like, what? Here's, Lars isn't coming. I'm like, well, I've seen the rest of the band. And they've gone... No, 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 he's ill. He was going to fly from, uh, I, I think it was Copenhagen or somewhere in Europe that morning because uh, Metallica had done a show the night before. He decided to stay and not travel with the band and was going to make his own way over. But then he, he, he just got ill. And um, the question to me was, the band want to know, do they cancel or do they do a show with standing drummers? So I'm thinking, well, this is bizarre. We're two years in. We lost a headliner last year <laughs> with Limp Biscuit. We're about to lose a headliner. And I even said, I said, well, there's no way that they can play. I mean, how are they going to get guest drummers? And, uh, and they said, well, we, we believe we've got Joey from Slipknot. And we've got Dave Lombardo from uh, Slayer. They're prepared to stand in. Fleming, who was Lars's drum tech, he's here. He knows all their songs. You know, they, they, they want to give it a whirl. I said, well, hey, listen, if they can pull that off, that would be amazing. And they obviously were asking other bands, other drummers. There were a few of them going, uh-uh, not, it's, it's too big a shoes for us to fill. Right. Like, going up and playing with Metallica. 
Joey was up for it, for uh, Joe Jordison from Slipknot. He'd been in a Metallica covers band. Ah. So he knew Metallica songs. Dave Lombardo, anybody who knows drumming, is a phenomenal drummer. He was, held his hand up. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm up for it. And literally, for the three or four hours prior to them going on stage, they got themselves, uh, well, we got them a porter cabin. And they, were work, they were in the porter cabin rehearsing right throughout for like three, four, five hours going through these songs. Wow. It was like, it was just surreal. And um, to think that they, they actually pulled that whole thing off. And, and the other bizarre thing was there was still that kind of rivalry in the camp or certainly it had been brought up by the media, you know, Slayer didn't like Metallica and Metallica didn't like Megadeth and you know, all of that stuff. Let me tell you, I was right in the eye of that stuff and I, the camaraderie between all the bands. I was watching side of stage when Metallica went on, Lombardo started with them. I think it was Battery that they started with. Yeah. I'm stood with Kerry King and Jeff Hanneman and Tom Araya watching, they're like cheering him on, like, yeah, come on, come on. And, and Lombardo was playing for his life. It, I mean, it's just incredible. And um, <laughs> I turned to Kerry King, and Kerry said to me, he went, Metallica have never sounded so good. <laughs> That's right. Just, it's just a really, really, cool, uh, such a cool thing. And the other thing about that was when Joey played and the numbers that he played with the band, He's in full Slipknot. He's oh, mask on. He's got the the jumpsuit on, which was amazing. And I, I remember talking to their manager Corey Brennan, and and he said, you know, uh, when Joey put his hand up and said that he, that he would do it, and obviously he'd got history with the songs of being in a Metallica covers band, he said that he'd do it. But you know, I, I need to wear the mask. And Metallica yeah. totally cool with that. So yeah, I mean. That is something that people will never, ever see again. Uh, Lars has never missed a Metallica show other than one at Don. Never. Never missed one. Never missed one previous, never missed one since. That was that was just amazing. And then if we fast track two years later, Jonathan Davis from Korn falls ill. He's in London. I get the call. Korn were, were uh, I think, second or third on the uh, main stage. And uh, I get the call from the agent going, the band still want to play. Can you help find singers? I'm like, you know, I'm a promoter. I'm not like some <laughs> kind of cabaret agent. Uh, so I literally, I spend just knocking on dressing room doors going, um, Corn, uh, asking for help. Uh, Jonathan Davis, he's ill, he's not here. Do any of you know Corn songs? Anyway, after much deliberation and talking with everyone, Matt Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold, Benji from Skindred, Matt Heafy from... Um, Trivium. Uh, from Trivium. Corey Taylor, who was there with Stone Sour. All these guys got up and did corn songs so corn could do their set. And I'm going, how much bad luck can we have <laughs> at Download? which turns into something incredible. So you get to see Korn with all these amazing singers. You get to see Metallica with 
Dave Lombardo and, and, and Joey from Slipknot. You see Metallica play, play in the tent. And then when you move on to some of the other years, getting Linkin Park to do the Hybrid Theory album in full from start to finish. The band had never done it previous to download. They never did it following download. So it was the only time that they did it from start to finish. Everybody, their agent and manager, when I suggested it, were like, there's no way, no way we'll make this happen. No, 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 forget it. And I went on the big sales pitch on why the band should do it. Their album wasn't, their new album wasn't coming out until after download. And I said, well, if they start playing a load of new songs that people haven't heard, that's that's not going to be good for the band. Why don't they do Hybrid Theory in full? This will be a great springboard for the new record that's coming out a few weeks afterwards. It will get everybody in that mindset of just what a great band uh, Linkin Park were. They were the start of that genre, that new metal genre mm-hmm. um, in the late 90s alongside bands like Limp Bizkit, Papa Roach, Korn, etc. Anyway, finally came back and they said, yes, they'll do it. And they opened the set with Hybrid Theory right from the beginning, right the way through. Chester Bennington said to me uh, afterwards, he went, I have to say to you, I can't thank you enough for persuading us to do Hybrid Theory. We'd forgotten what had made us get into being in the band that was us at our rawest when hybrid theory came none of us expected it to be as big a record that it was and he went you know you had the idea to do it i'm so glad we did it it energized us as a band it got us all talking about the memories of when we were doing that record and everything else i mean incredible and again that's something that you know download's been able to do just get into the real fabric of a band and getting them thinking about what they're doing. They're doing something special with the festival Metallica again in uh, 2012 when they did the black album. Yeah. You know, I, the, the agent had said to me, no, they're not going to do it. I flew out to New York, met with Peter Mensch, Metallica's manager. He said, nah, nah, they're not, they're not going to do it. I said, well, would you just talk to the band? He said, of course I'll, I'll take it to him. But he said, look, he says it isn't going to happen two days later. I get a call. Metallica are going to do it. The plan was they weren't going to tour in 2012. So they suddenly went, actually, this is a really cool idea. And I'd got the idea from they'd done Master of Puppets. Right. But funnily enough, they did Master of Puppets in full at Donington in 2006 without telling anybody they were going to do it. And they, they'd done Ride the Lightning. And I just thought, well, you know what? They should do the Black Album. So that in 2012, using Download as the anchor, they came over to Europe and did a run. I think there was nine or 10 or 12 shows that they did right across Europe doing the Black Album. Uh, and bizarrely, they did it back to front. Yeah. Um, but they still played the whole album. And again, it was amazing. They bring the Snake Pit, which the Snake Pit was something that they created. And for those people who don't know, the snake pit was like literally like a, a walkway in a diamond shape right in front of the stage. And they put fans right in the middle of it. So the, the, the bands would go all the way around and the fans would feel right in the, you know, right in the middle of, of their stage show. 
Um, so they brought that with them. I mean, just incredible. It's funny. I, I, we played that year, and I watched it aside stage with Michael Starr from Steel Panther. But Michael Starr grew up such a Van Halen fanatic, he had never heard the Black Album. And I'm like, you've never heard this before? And of course, like you said, they started from the last song and went to the first. When they got to Enter Sandman, Ralph goes, or Michael goes, oh yeah, I think I know this one. So you think you know Enter Sandman? I said, if we were in high school together, we would have been in fistfights, Metallica versus Van Halen. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Let me ask you this, Andy. You mentioned, you know, just having these these things get thrown at you as a promoter and most promoters have to deal with it when it's a show with two or three bands you've got 50 60 bands over the course of a weekend you're always happy you always get your cowboy hat on always smiling but there must be shit that gets thrown at you every single second of that weekend where you're just like ah yeah do you know <laughs> uh, you kind of go you go into autopilot i've got a team of people around me i'm uh, you know i know i'm the face of the festival uh, I'm the the main booker of the event, but there's tens of people around me that are, that are, are involved, and and they're kind of the unsung heroes of what the festival's all about. Yes, if there's any issues, it all comes to me. I'm having to deal with you know with, with band, bands being late, you know bands not being able to make it, just de- dealing with everything. And yeah, it is it is pretty crazy, but I do go into kind of an autopilot mode i have to be there to ensure that the bands are having a good time and that they're in a good place because they need to get on that stage and they need to entertain i mean again chris you'll know this going out onto a stage in front of thousands of people is motivation in itself Mm -hmm. and the one thing i'll say about download fans they want all the bands to be great. Yeah. They're not there to criticize or go, this is rubbish. They want to be impressed. They want all the bands to be great. So there's always a really, really good atmosphere. But what I want to do is make sure that when the bands arrive, they're in good spirits, they're feeling good, you know, they're in a welcoming home, uh, which is what uh, download is. They also get to uh, see and meet all other bands, people that they know, people that they haven't met for a long time, mm-hmm. making new friendships, which is no different to what happens out, out front with the fans. Right. You know, they're coming down, they're with their friends, but they're meeting new people. They'll see somebody wearing a Judas Priest T-shirt and go, oh, hey, I love Judas Priest, man. I went to see him at, you know, Bristol Colston Hall. And the other guy will go, oh, yeah, I saw him at Leicester de Montfort Hall. <laughs> oh, and, they, and suddenly, you know, everybody's, everybody's friends is a real uh, camaraderie. We see that backstage at download with the bands. You know, in the catering area, bands all sitting, you know, together, all having fun, in and out of each other's dressing rooms. Like you were saying earlier, watching Metallica, you're watching at the side of the stage with other, you know, other band band members. That's what it's all about. And I guess I'm the master of ceremonies to mm-hmm. keep all that going. And I'd see it as one 
it's like my big party of the year, all my friends coming in, and I want everybody to have a good time. The fans, the bands, everybody involved in the festival. And, and I, I, I do believe we've managed to maintain that throughout all the years of download. Another thing that, that I noticed, you know, always kind of being a businessman and kind of seeing how, how things work, uh, you're, you've been very good about cultivating bands at Download. And I say this from, from personal experience with what you've done with Fozzie. Our first year was 2005. We were in, you know, the netherworld stage, whatever it was. Then 2012, we're on the secondary stage. And then in uh, 14 and 17, we're now on the main stage, moving up the ladder. You've done that with a lot of bands which I think is also self-preservation because you know the Sabbaths and the Metallicas and Iron Maidens won't be around forever. Is that a specific strategy that you do with certain bands that you like that you're trying to grow for the festival? I give summed it up there. A lot of these headline acts, you know, they're not going to be around in 10, 20, definitely 30 years' time, and we've got to bring new bands through. If I, you know, look back to... I booked Bullet From A Valentine... On the demo, mm. they didn't have a manager, uh, they didn't have a record label, and I booked them very, very early on, and they they played on uh, uh, one of the smaller stages. They worked themselves up, they got themselves to you know second headline uh, on the main stage. They've headlined the second stage a couple of times, right? Worked the way up. Trivium, another band. I mean, I remember 2005. I, I had them booked on the fourth stage. And uh, their agent said to me, he said, listen, you know, they, they just want to see if there's any other slots on any of the other stages that might be available on any of the other days. I went, well, look, I've got an opening slot on the main stage on the Saturday. Now, Trivia at the time were booked to play on the Sunday on the fourth stage. And I, and I said, how do you feel about that? And he went, well, that'd be amazing. I said, well, I need to check with Sharon Osborne because the Saturday at Download in 2005, the main stage was an Ozfest. We'd incorporated Ozfest within Download mm -hmm. and uh, Black Sabbath were headlining. But Sharon uh, and Ozzy, they were kind of curating the bill, if you like. So I contacted Sharon. I said, hey, we haven't got anybody opening up on the Ozfest day. Got this new band, side to Roadrunner really hot what do you think now i knew that sharon and ozzy right throughout the years had always taken out cool acts right right as their uh, as their support they'd done it with def leppard they'd done it with metallica right in the early days of those bands taking them out on the road uh, they'd always had this reputation so sharon came straight back she went yep no problem well Trivium, that is definitely in the top 10 performances by any band at Download over the years. They absolutely, they're young kids seizing the opportunity. There must have been eight circle pits going on with them. <laughs> the, the fans who were kind of going, some people knew who they were. The others were going like, okay, let's see what they're like. We've heard, of, we've heard about them, but I don't know about them. But wanted them to be great, and Trivium were absolutely amazing that day. And then, again, just an example of what we're doing of building bands, building them through. But hopefully, that they're going to be, you know, our headliners of tomorrow. 
which you've done with Avenged Sevenfold as well, because they actually did headline one of the years that we were there, 17, I think, 14 maybe. Yeah, well, uh, 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 14, I think, was the first time. And then uh, uh, again in 17, I did it with Avenged Sevenfold. Uh, I, I did it with Slipknot. In 2009, when I booked Slipknot to headline, everybody was saying I was insane. Hmm. They're not ready. They're not big enough. Uh, bear in mind, Slipknot had probably played Download at least twice or three times prior to that. And I'd seen them go up the bill. And I just said, no, their time is right. Interestingly enough, uh, Slipknot filmed that performance. We, 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 uh, they came to me and said, we, we want to film it and we want to put it out as a long-form uh, DVD, which they did the following year, 2010. The Slipknot Live the Download DVD was the biggest selling music DVD mm. of 2010. Now, go back less than a year when I'd first booked them to play. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's going, oh, this band shouldn't be shouldn't be headlining. But you, we've got to, you know, we've got to bring them through. And whether down the line, Five Finger Death Punch, A Day to Remember, Partway Drive, Bring Me the Horizon, you know, there's a number of acts that are right on the cusp of being uh, a download headliner in the very near future. And, you know, we're, we're always... Uh, behind that and pushing to get those acts to that level. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You know, I love it, too, when I mentioned it's, it's my favorite festival and one of the best festivals. And it, most festivals like this, but I find this specifically a download. People come and they, they, they walk around. They migrate. They're not just standing at one stage all day long. I remember the second time we played, it was on the, the Zippo stage. We were on second of the day. And when I got there, another band was on. And there was like zero, like 60 people in the field. And you're like, okay, it's just one of those. Sometimes it happens. I went and got ready, warmed up. And when I walked on stage, it was like somebody had CGI'd a, a crowd of like 20,000 people. I couldn't believe it. They just appeared yes. to see the band. And I just was thinking, how did so many people get here so quickly and on a mission to see our band and i thought that's a pretty cool statement for the fans of download that they're there to go and see as many bands as they want to see and not just stay you know stationed in one spot yeah we've done uh, that has been my mandate right from the very very beginning is that we make things happen so people can move around the site we don't want them to stay uh, in one place Go and discover new bands. And obviously, you know, in, in rock and metal music, fans are always looking for new bands to get into and new music. And one thing that I found with, with Download is people after the festival writing into us and saying, I had a great weekend at Download. I'd gone there to see Disturbed or I'd gone there to see Marilyn Manson or whatever. But I was walking past the tent and I went in and I saw this band such and such a band, and they're my, they're now my new favourite band. Mm. 
that to me is what download is all about. Just that whole idea that people can come and discover new acts and even acts that they they are aware of, but they wouldn't necessarily go out and, and buy their music or buy a ticket, but they're at a festival, they can go and watch them. 2009 was the year that I really saw that happening. I'm seeing somebody in a ZZ Top sweatshirt watching Corn. Right. I'm seeing somebody in a, a Marilyn Manson T-shirt watching Def Leppard. I'm not just watching, but enjoying it. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm not so sure that guy would have go out, buy a ticket to go and see Def Leppard in concert. Sure. But now that they've seen them and go, ah, I didn't realize just how many great songs they had or what a great band they were, they will go and see them live. And interestingly enough, when we did Muse at Download, Peter Mench, uh, manager of Metallica, was also, was also the manager of Muse at the time. Uh, we booked them, and a lot of people go, no, Muse aren't right for downloads, not the right kind of band, blah, blah, blah. Muse ended up being one of the bands of the weekend, if not the band of the weekend. Mm. Uh, Matt Bellamy, he totally got it. It's like, I'm I'm going to go out there, I'm going to give him a proper, full-on rock show, which he did. Interestingly enough, it had been raining. He came running out and slipped. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, he's cut rushing. But that didn't deter him. Gets up, carries on puts on this blistering show. Again, afterwards, people were writing in going, you know what, I thought Muse were totally wrong for download. Having watched them, for me, they were my favourite band of the weekend. Amazing. Now, Muse's tour, they did a tour uh, at the end of that year, was their biggest selling tour of the UK mm. at that time. And I was talking to Peter Mencher about it, and I went, you know what, Peter, of the people that watch Muse at Download that weren't a Muse fan have come to see them live. He went, that's why I had them play Download. I knew that they could cross over and get more fans to come and see them on tour. And I would say the tour, they probably did another 20, 25,000 people across the tour than what they had done on the previous tour. And a lot of that was down to people seeing them at Download and going, oh my God, what a great band, let's go see them. When you're putting together the roster and the lineup, Andy, what's your what's your strategy? Do you try and book the headliners first and move down from there? Is there times when you have to wait on a headliner, but you still got to keep moving forward with the lineup? Um, it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I, getting the headliners is key because that kind of sets the theme of, uh, of the way the festival is going to come together. Obviously, as I'm trying to get headliners, there are other bands that are saying that they're available, and I, obviously I don't want to miss out on that opportunity. So I always treat downloads like this huge jigsaw puzzle mm-hmm. that I've got to put together, right. and I've got to build, and it's got to be right. The headliners definitely set the tone, but all the other bands are super important. We get up to... 100, 120 bands in total over the weekend. Um, and one year we did 155 bands, which is uh, like <laughs> unbelievable. We've reduced that down a little bit to give bands a, a bit of longer set time, etc. But yeah, so I, I try and look at the headliners. Nowadays, we're finding that uh, the headline acts are booking their tours 18 months, two years in advance. I'm all, I've already verbally confirmed an act headline download in 2022 Mm. 
Uh, I'm already talking to two other acts for 2022. That, you think, well, okay, that looks like that's going to happen. Then I get the schedules of some of the other acts that are around are available. Then I'm thinking of acts that I want to see play there, whether it's somebody who hasn't played at Download for three, four, five years. Oh, maybe it's time to get them back. Whether it's somebody who's coming through, who's become super hot. Yeah, you know, I want to get talking to their manager, their agent. Are they going to be available uh, for Download? So myself and I have a team of people there's the six of us that do the overall booking I do do the main booking but you know I've got Sean Cam Steph Sarah and Jenny who, who help put the rest of the the bill together we do we do it as a collective but yeah we're, all the time the fact that we are booking so far from it's very different from how it used to be the festival would finish in June and we wouldn't start booking again until October, November for the following year. It's impossible to do that now. Mm. I need to be launching in September, October, November mm. for the fire. So I need the bands in place. Right. It's just the way things have evolved. Uh, there's a lot of competition out there as well. So you want to make sure that, you know, you're locking bands in as early as possible. So, yeah, it, we. I think it was 2006. We didn't announce our lineup for 2006 in June until February, and it was the end of February that year. Mm. We just couldn't do that nowadays. I mean, people would be super impatient. They're not going to wait that long. It's like, you know, we need to be up. We need to be selling the tickets. We need to be promoting the event. So we have seen some changes. A lot of it has been down to the bands really working on their schedules way, way up front of when they actually start. The thing about download too is what I'm trying to do with, I'm not sure if you've heard about the cruise that I've been doing. You build it up over the first few years and you want to make it to where, and COVID notwithstanding, I probably would have sold out this cruise before even announcing a lineup because people know what the vibe of it is now. Yeah. Do they, and they trust my judgment. Is it the same with download? Are you going to draw a great crowd no matter who the headliner is? And if they're more popular, it's going to spike it even more. That's exactly what happens. I mean, the, the, the attendance of download, can vary from 65 to 70,000 up to 100,000 all depending on uh, who you have if you if you have Iron Maiden Metallica ACDC Rammstein you know you know you're going to be at those those top top numbers yeah the fans they believe in us as a as a festival and we put obviously early bird tickets on sale and people will buy those regardless of who we're going to end up booking. Mm -hmm. We can never take that for granted. They're expecting us to deliver a good and a, and a, and a strong bill. And it's important to us that we deliver that. Um, but thankfully that we, we have a, a real hardcore fan base of fans who will buy a ticket rain or shine. And it's, you know, it's like a badge of honor, really. The amount of people that say to me, I've been to every single download or, I started coming to download in 2007 and I've been to one ever since mm -hmm. and they just come. It's like their, you know, it's their ritual. It's their, it's their annual holiday. And, it, and even when we look and I've talked about this before is the fans are so loyal 
that they even have the download logo tattoo <laughs> on their body. I don't know of any other festival in the world. Right. Is, I mean, do you see anybody walking around with a Glastonbury tattoo <laughs> with a, with a Coachella tattoo? I mean, of course not. Right. But with download, we have the, obviously the download mascot, which is the download dog. It's changed in form uh, over the years. It, much in the same way as Iron Maiden's Eddie. Sure, of course. There are some people that have got four, five, six different download dogs tattooed on their bodies. <laughs> and even with the, you know, the uh, download 2010, download 2011, tattooed somewhere right. on their bodies. I mean, that's incredible. That to me is total, total dedication to what we do and the fact that, uh, that, that download means that much to them. It's a lifestyle. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, before we get back to Andy Copping, I just want to remind you guys as well that uh, starting uh, tonight, actually, uh, you can check out Download TV on YouTube Music. And we've got programming on Saturday and Sunday as well, hosted by the amazing Kylie Olson. Uh, check it out on YouTube Music. Download, uh, uh, virtual download, I guess you'd say. Fozzie will be on the uh, program tomorrow. So check that out. And we continue right now with uh, Andy Copping. As we start to wind down here, you mentioned rain or shine. And I know there's been a couple times we've played where there's been more rain than shine. But we've, uh, we've never had it where it was a total rain blowout. Has there ever been times when you had to shut the show down or things happen because of the rain and, and all that sort of weather? Well, the, 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 the worst year for us was actually 2012. And that's we were there. Yeah. Which was the biggest year of download. Yes. You know, that was the year we did 105,000 people. We had 75,000 people in the campsite oh my gosh. that were camping. They'd started camping on the Wednesday. It was like torrential rain. <laughs> On the Friday, health and safety said, you can't open. We're like, what? Wow. And we've got 75,000 people in the campsite. If we don't open, there is going to be a riot. What do we need to do? Saying it's too muddy at the, the front of the stage. You've got to do something. So we, we had to hold the doors. There were a bunch of bands that actually didn't get to play that year. We had to hold the door. Doors were a couple of hours. I remember. And basically what we did, we, we had a, a digger come in and with its scoop, just scooped up the front layer, just took all the mud away from the front of the stage. And then we put all straw down at the front thinking, great, got that done. Health and safety then came to us and went, you can't open. We're like, what? That straw is a fire hazard. Oh my gosh. We went, we're opening the doors, man. It's like, <laughs> That's the fire hazard. It's raining. Right. We need to put something down on the ground. That's going to be full of people. There's no way that's going to ignite. I'm sorry, we're opening the doors. But, I mean, it was a close call. It looked like we were going to lose the festival that year. But I remember that, Andy, because that's the year that we played, and we played on the Saturday, 
And I think it was Europe that missed getting in. They were on the ground, but they got stuck in the traffic in the mud. Yes. So I mentioned to you that we were on a second that day, which is probably, I don't know, 11. I mean, you come from Nottingham or wherever we stayed. And we, we had to, our, our tour manager got us up and going at 5 a.m. just to make sure we were on site. I'm like, kind of a fucking rock and roll band has to get up at 5 a.m. to go play a festival. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> that was the thing. You know, a lot, a lot of uh, punters struggled to get in, just trying to, you know, a couple of bands couldn't get, get on site. Weather was so bad. So bad. But the bizarre thing was that on the Sunday, the sun came out and there was like a, there was like a wind and, and it dried mm-hmm. the site out. Where there'd been mud, suddenly it felt like marshmallow. It wasn't <laughs> – the, the ground had started to dry out. The sun was shining. And luckily it wasn't the whole weekend that, uh, that was a washout. And I just remember what, suddenly we weren't walking around in mud. We were just walking around on this – Really soft marshmallow ground it was amazing. I mean, we have had some horrific weather. The fans have been incredible. To them, it's like, you throw anything at us, we are here to see these bands, to listen to the music that we love. The weather is not going to stop us. I remember, too, like, you know, everyone was wearing their wellies backstage, their rubber boots. Yeah. And you'd, you'd wear them to the stage, and then you'd take them off, because it's not very rock and roll to wear rubber boots. But the one guy that wore his rubber boots the whole show was Jack Black for Tenacious D. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's right. His rubber <laughs> boots on. <laughs> that's, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, he did. That's right. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> well, that's another one. We were standing at the stage, and he's just walking around with his rubber boots on. <laughs> <laughs> when you're talking uh, about 2021 now, and obviously the festival will return, are you trying to take as much of the 2020 lineup as you can and just move it to 2021? Or does, has there been plans made where you have to drop some bands? Or how does that work? I think it's only fair that we try and replicate as much as we can. Right. Most of the bands are available for 2021. And we're giving them, you know, a first right refusal uh, if they're available, then we'll book them. And obviously, we then had a number of bands uh, come to us that would normally be touring in 2021, saying they want to do the festival. And I said, well, look, I've got to give priority to those acts from 2020, which we're doing. We've booked most of the bills so far. There are some bands that can't make it. And, you know, that's just the way things are. You know, circumstances are, are different. But we're virtually there with our bill for... For 2021 and it and it will replicate most of what what was bought for 2020 and what do you think the um can what is it looking like for you because i know you promote other other bands and other acts and other venues uh as far as being able to go back to doing live shows again uh, i know in the states that some of my friends that are stand-up com- comedians are getting to do comedy shows one-third capacity door deals that sort of thing Fozzie was supposed to go April, May, got postponed to July, August. It looks like July is not going to happen, maybe August. What are you guys hearing on your end, considering that you haven't even been able to leave your house in London for 10 weeks or whatever the hell it's been? No, that's it. I mean, the the industry has effectively just gone to zero. You know, the worry is that we might not see – we certainly – I don't think we're going to see any big shows between now and the end of this year – I'm hoping that some of the smaller capacity venues will start operating. That'll hopefully re-energize the business. We've rescheduled a huge amount of tours into 2021. I mean, I actually think that once this thing gets started again, 
the reaction back to people being able to go out and go to shows or any kind of entertainment, as you said, like with with sport, with wrestling, um, or whatever it may be, I think that the desire is going to be a fever pitch. People are going to want to uh, get out there. And 2021 is going to look crazy, crazy busy. <laughs> you know, certainly the tours that I've been booking if somebody came to me tomorrow and said, I want a tour in 2021, I'd probably have to say to him, I don't know where we're going to put you. Everywhere's booked. Gotcha. You can't get venues because their, their shows are already penciled in for 2021. But I'm taking a, a huge amount of optimism out of that and positivity. That's where we're going to end up. At the moment, you know, it's not good. There's no shows that we can go to. Most of us are stuck at home. Uh, I think that we will start to see things pick up towards the end of this year in the last quarter. And then hopefully in 21, we can get back to some kind of normality again. Yeah, it was a drag because especially in the States too, you know, even for me as a fan, I had tickets to the Stones and Elton John and Guns N' Roses and the whole Poison, Def Leppard, Motley Crue thing. That all got moved. So it's just kind of kind of sad because summer is the time to rock both if you're in a band and to go watch bands as a fan. Absolutely. And that's the thing. You know, there's a lot of big shows. You know, I just had to pull down a White Snake Foreigner Europe tour. Oh, yeah. To pull down Guns N' Roses. I've had to pull down Aerosmith. I mean, amongst a bunch of other shows and, and other tours that we were talking about that weren't even announced is they're having to be pushed into, you know, into the new year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is frustrating. I mean, and bizarrely, the weather in the UK at the moment is, is, is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it, like, I can, insane. I can see the sun shining in your window the whole time. Yeah, it's like, oh, my God. It's just, just the bizarre. It's you know, perfect festival weather, and we're all stuck inside. But, you know, <laughs> so she's like, we'll be back. And, you know, talking to the fans we've been doing, and this is music fans, not, not just download and rock fans, just asking them, you know, would you – uh, are you are you feeling comfortable about coming back to shows? I think something like eighty four percent of people are going. Yes, we want to get straight back into shows. Mm-hmm. Now that's a high percentage of people that are currently stuck in lockdown at the moment. Going, yeah, we would definitely want to get back out there and uh, and get back to some kind of normality. So, last question for you, Andy. You've seen so many great performances, and you've mentioned a few. What are some of the top, you know, top three or four performances at Download? in your opinion, that you've experienced? Oh, definitely the first first time we booked Rammstein. Mm. Um, I've been trying to get them uh, for years. I, I was obviously familiar with their stage show and getting them to come and play at Download. And, and the show was incredible. Anybody who has seen Rammstein indoors and gone, this is a wow experience, they do that outdoors as well and beyond and you think as it even capable for them to put on that kind of show and definitely Rammstein amazing I know I referred back to Slipknot in 2009 that was incredible obviously you know it was a band that had had, uh, ridden up the bill to get there ACDC in 2010 Mm. everybody was telling me I was insane you'll never get ACDC we got them they hadn't done festivals in nearly 10 years. 
they all did their own event because they were such a big band. Is that why? Because they just do it themselves? They could just go play the field themselves and draw 100,000 people? Yeah, that's it. It's like, well, you know, we, we do things on our own terms. I mean, gotcha. they came to download in 2010 and, and brought their own stage. Oh, so they actually set up their own stage for that show, right? Yeah, that, we had two main stages <laughs> that year. I'll never forget because we had them Crooked Vultures who were playing special guests to them. And actually, them Crooked Vultures played on the other stage. I remember talking to Dave Grohl and just before ACDC came on. And I says, oh, I hope you can come back one year with, uh, you know, with your other band, referring to the Foo Fighters. And he went, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, we'll be here. He says, we'll probably bring our own stage with us. <laughs> yeah, AC, having ACDC play back then uh, in 2010 was amazing. Rage Against the Machine that year were, were incredible too. I mean, there's been so many great performances by different bands. And, you know, we talked earlier about Linkin Park and Hybrid Theory and, Obviously, Metallica doing the Black Album, and even when they did Master of Puppets in '06, was was incredible. Mm-hmm. Guns and Roses when they when they came in 2018 was just unbelievable. Slash Duff and Axel on that stage just playing all those great songs, amazing. All right, so I forgot to ask Andy a question about the bands who haven't played Download that he'd like to have play, uh, kind of his dream lineup, and also which band he'd love to see uh, reunite to play download so uh, this is the answer he gave me there are actually a few bands that haven't played download yet and i'd love to see them play there uh, green day is one foo fighters another uh, blink 182 red hot chili peppers and bon jovi amazingly all five of those have never played at download and all could be headliners no question and if there was a band that I could get to reunite to play at Download, that would have to be Led Zeppelin, no question. It would be great to see them back together again, and I'd love to have them at Download. It would just be amazing. Well, Andy, so many great performances uh, and many more to come, but just not until 2021. But uh, really excited to, to come back to Download when it's Fozzie's turn again. And yeah. great to talk to you. This is why I love doing this show, because... We see each other at the venue, talk for five minutes, and we both got to go do our thing. So to get a chance to sit down and chat with you is, uh, was a real pleasure. Uh, listen, thank you for having me. You look you look in good health, sir. I hope you and the family are well. And I, I look forward to seeing you in the flesh very, very soon. Thank you, Andy. Cheers, mate. Stay safe. 